Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Panic Pass podcast. I'm Neil Morrison. Very happy to say that I'm joined by David Emmett of Modo Matters. Good morning, David. Good afternoon, technically. Good afternoon. We're in Spain, so it's still good morning. Oh, yeah, no, yes. that's a good point. Uh, good morning to Stephen English. Yeah, it's not even past half one, Dave, so it's still an early morning here <laughs> in Spain. <laughs> and I'm delighted to introduce uh, Miss Andrea Wilson, freelance journalist extraordinaire, formerly of Cycle News and now working in American Flat Track and American Supermoto series. And Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. This was your first Super Prestigio, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've, I've watched it at home in the States and, and Fans' Choice, but it was nice to, to actually be here in person and, and, and see the Spanish flat track scene. Oh. What was the difference between watching it on TV and actually seeing it? I mean, is the atmosphere different, or is it the same as watching Supercross at home and Supercross sort of actually going to a, going to an event? Um, well, I mean, what, being in person is always much better. Um, it's it is a little bit closer to Supercross and actually an American flat track race at home. You know, lasers. A little bit of smoke, you know. Yeah, the smoke machine, music, uh, the, the, and, and, and an announcer who yeah. appears to have ingested large amounts of amphetamines, that sort of thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, and, you know, I mean, that's also, you're already going to get more of that when you have it in an, in an arena to begin with. And, and pretty much all of the American Flat Track events are outdoors. Um, a lot of them are old fairgrounds, bigger tracks, you know, so it's, it's entirely different. Um, plus also, you know, I just, you know, even when in MotoGP, I always tell people, okay, you have to go to a Spanish or Italian Grand Prix race. It's way different. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's the same. It's just the fans are, are super passionate and re really into it. Okay, so we saw some great racing last night. Um, it was a bit disappointing, first off, because Jared Mees, one of the one of the top contenders from America, was unable to race. He injured his collarbone um, while training before the event. But we still had Mark Marquez, Brad Baker, surprisingly Tony Elias um, up at the front of the race. Um, before we talk about the race itself, David, this was your fourth Super Prestige. Yeah, You've I'd, been to all four? I have been to all four. The first one in uh, January 2004. 14, I think, mm -hmm. uh, and then December 2015, uh, December 2014, December 2015, now this one, December 2016. Yes, and Steve, this was your second as well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I was here last year as well. So, so how did how did this year's event compare to the previous ones that you've attended? Well, I mean, the in, in terms of organisation, it's obvious every year the organization gets better and better um the experience starts to pay off uh, the track prep is gets better and better uh track, although there were sort of you know one or two i think brad baker had one or two complaints about um or well, complaints is a strong word he had one or two comments about uh, or ways to prepare it better but i certainly remember the first year that they really didn't put enough water on the track and so after practice the whole place was coated in an inch of dust and you couldn't actually see the racing it was that bad um by the time they they just dumped a whole load of water onto the track and uh, by the, the the time of the evening it was um it was it was pretty good um it's clear also the 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 just the level of um the racing the level of performance the level of um uh, the, the level of the riders, the quality riders has got better. Also, because I think there's a lot more, um, uh, there's a lot more flat track. There's a lot more riders sort of practicing dirt track, which makes a, uh, uh, which makes a big difference as well. So 
yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it's definitely a, a. It seems to be an event which is going from strength to strength. Although it seems to be sort of reaching this is this is what it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth commenting as well, and just how, as you said, David, it's better organised every year. But I thought that uh, Blanca and the rest of the team at RPM did a great job of just looking after all the media because there was an awful lot more interest in it this year. I think I spent most of my time sitting on the floor because you stole my seat, <laughs> and uh, you know it was it was good to see that level of interest. Yeah, there was press from from everywhere, really: Italy, Spain, UK, America. Yeah, and it was broadcast on 60 countries as well, Spanish and English. So, yeah, you know, certainly done a good job in terms of promoting the event. Yeah, I think they've done a, a fantastic job. And now the key thing is just to try and see what you can do to move forward. Like, um, I think one of the key things they need to do is they need to have more riders. They need to have more than just either Jared and Brad coming over. They need to have, like Brian Smith won the championship this year. I think everyone would have liked to have seen him here. I think we need to have, in the future, five of the top American riders Nicky Hayden was going to ride before he got injured. Obviously, having someone like Nicky on the gate would have made for a lot more interest as well. Yeah, and even, you know, um, they're big on champions, which I think is a good idea. It, it would have also been nice to have the GNC2 champion here this year, Ryan Wells. And especially even though Wells is making the move to the, cause, um, which we'll get into later, and into the premier class, which will just be twins next year. In the GNC two class, that is a singles class. Mm. So GNC just it's worth saying is sorry. the is the top track of uh, sorry the top class in American flat track. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's they de definitely um, it would be nice to see some some more American flat track racers over in the in the, in the event. Or oh, possibly, what about American uh, rider? You know, supercross riders or or supermoto riders? Would they would they be interesting? I mean, would uh, someone like maybe Josh Hayes, Cameron Cameron Bobier, JD Beach, uh, some of those guys like to come over as well? I know um, there are some supercross guys that are kind of into flat track, but they don't take the front brake off. So I don't know that they would really. I don't know how many Supercross guys would be keen, but um, road racers, I think that, yeah, that would be great. And actually the one guy that stands out the most to be perfect to come over um, is Shady Beach. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's also, he grew up with Brad and, and, and um, those kids, you know, they would duke it out on short indoor tracks uh, in the wintertime in, in Washington. So um, JD's very good at short track and, um, it would certainly add a little bit of spice to the uh, to the proceedings. Yeah, and in fact, for the uh, drifting contest or the style contest that they had, he, I, he, I think he might give Massa a run for his money. <laughs> I mean, that um, Josh Hayes and and Melissa, his wife, they have a, a small short track in their backyard and in in California, and um, you know, JD's always showing off and uh, showboating yes which we all enjoy but we're just like man are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the idea of nikki hayden um attending would add several thousand on the gate at least and really increase the the tv audience and the overall interest because we all you know we've all heard stories about how great a, a flat tracker nikki was back in the day um 
it's probably worth pointing out that the stadium itself wasn't was quite far from full. It definitely was. It seemed uh, a little more the, the crowd seemed a little more sparse than uh, the previous two years that I've been. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I would have to say that as well. The uh, I think from the first to the second year uh, attendance grew a little bit, and then the the, the third edition looked was about the same as the second, but this looked um, really quite sparse. Then it, I mean, it's always difficult to tell because they what they seem to do this year was pack one end of the stadium and then leave some of the um, uh, some of the other bits uh, a little bit more empty. Um, they do have a lot more sponsorship, which makes it a a bit more of a secure financial uh, uh, operation. But um, I mean, you really you need to put bums on seats uh, to 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 be able to ensure the future. Yeah, and like I know for me walking around, I was doing some photography, so I was walking around the stands, and there was certain areas that, as you said, David, were just set aside for sponsors. So you ended up where people were coming in in and out of those areas. There was a lot of people going out to the food stands, the drink stands. So yeah, at one point, at one point, the uh, the the toilets were awash with them. Um, uh, so don't uh, comment further on that day of the toilets. Are... With with popcorn, <laughs> oh, I was okay. going to say okay. it was. You couldn't actually move for popcorn because there did seem to have been a popcorn explosion, which made uh, for um, uh, a rather peculiar experience for a terrible eighties <laughs> action movie as well. <laughs> Okay, so this was sort of billed as uh, as a rematch. Uh, the 2015 event was very much Marquez and Baker, and the super final was between those two, and it was a great race. Um, this year, it was billed more or less the same. Brad was talking up uh, Fran Cardus, the, the Spanish flat track champion, quite a bit before the event. Um, so there was a sp- suspicion that there could be three riders, but ultimately, uh, watching the the Super uh, Prestigio Finals, then the Open Finals, which precede the, the Super Final itself, which is a combination of the two classes. Uh, it was clear that it was going to be, well, Marquez and Baker. Yeah, I, yes, it, it was clear it was going to be Marquez and Baker. It was interesting. I spoke to, uh, to uh, Brad Baker a couple of times, and he, because uh, I also asked him about uh, Ferran Cardus and um, had been training up, and he said his one weakness was actually it, it, his skill. He's really, really fast, but his one weakness was um, uh, actually working on passing, finding a pass, and setting up a pass, and setting up passes, especially around a short track, because uh, especially around a short track like this, where it is virtually one line. Uh, you have to sort of plan it sort of a few corners ahead, line them up, find the right way. Um, you saw that a lot from the start, actually. You really saw, uh, especially Marquez, uh, Elias the same, uh, and Baker, all of them uh, working on the right entry point into turn one to come out in the lead in in turn three, and that worked. So, I mean, it was amazing actually watching them during the during the heats to see how they were setting this, uh, how they were setting this up, setting up. They were sort of uh, entering a little bit wider on uh, uh, into turn one, and then cutting across the apex and cutting back and getting the drive out of uh, uh, out of turn one. Yeah, it was interesting watching. I always had my eye on Baker or Marquez as they were entering the first turn, and there were several occasions where you thought like they've really screwed this up because they'd be going in about yeah. fifth, but they would just be totally calm. Their body positions would be like in a very upright and relaxed way, and they would just kind of you know find some space, and they would always well not always but uh, more times than not exit you know first or second, and you know they're really showing their experience. Yeah, and um, I'm sure also you noticed, I mean, Brad, before he was talking about and said how critical the start was going to be, but he didn't actually have that many amazing starts, but Mm. didn't matter because like David said, flat trackers and and those that are good at short track, you you just 
you set up those passes and you just kind of make them happen. Yeah. You know, it's really, you know, about pushing your way through and, and Brad and Marquez are, are both quite good at that. Yeah. So we didn't quite see the, the Marquez Baker showdown as we had envisioned before. Um, Mark, it must be said, rode fantastically well. Yeah, uh, got but, to but, but I mean, Baker rode fantastically yeah. all through the uh, all through the, uh, the through the heat, qualifying heats and through the the, uh, um, the the open class final. The I mean, his only problem was starts where he was he was much weaker than uh, the, than everyone else. But yeah, uh, exactly. which might I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it could be an electronics difference. Yeah, definitely, yes. definitely. Because I mean, uh, uh, as far as I um, as far as I know, uh, certainly, uh, you know, Marcus has been working with his with his crew for like five days, just basically setting the bike up. All the rest of it, they basically have a a, a factory Honda um, uh, factory Honda MX engine, four fifty engine in there, um, and Brad has a stock Honda engine with a few bits and pieces which he's cleaned up himself and uh, uh, and prepared. So it's not. Not an entirely level playing field as far as that's concerned. Yeah, Marquez crew have been working for five days or three hundred and sixty-five days. <laughs> that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. But also, it was it was also interesting to see him uh, because he was working on his um, uh, electronic settings. Um, the because you could see him during the heats. Actually, you could see Marcus during the heats swapping. Uh, 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 swapping maps to try and find which was the best one through that. Uh, one thing uh, uh, Brad Baker said was that the the track changes so much, almost lap, uh, almost lap to lap, especially through the through through the pro through a night, as you get more and more rubber on uh, the, the the dirt gets packed down, all the rest. Yeah, I was talking to Nicky Hayden prior to the event just to get some info on what the short tracks are like. And Andrew, you can explain it a bit better than I'll be able to. But Nicky was talking about how from heat to heat, lap to lap. The track just changes completely, just as the as the dirt starts to move, and then with the track we had here this this year was seemed like it was a bit a uh, bit of a, a thicker layer of dirt as well. So we just didn't really get uh, down to the right grip levels as well from what some of the riders were saying. Yeah, um, you know, um, even for short tracks or any dirt track at home. Um, the prep is really critical and, and sometimes there's not enough water and if there's not enough water, the track starts to break up and come apart and then it becomes a bit rough. Um, so being a dirt track racer, you really just have to be able to be flexible and and, and adapt as it goes on. But um, I was talking to Dennis Noyes a little bit um, and he had said early in the night and said that the track was was going to favor the road racers. And I think in the end, you, we all saw that it did. Um, um, and, you know, um, Brad also, I mean, really, he realized it, it, he just chose the wrong tire. Yeah, because that's basically what it came down to. We heard in the in the, the, the press conference after the, the Super Final, Tony Elias was saying that basically the, the reason why he rode so well, or one of the reasons he rode, he was able to ride so well in the final was because he had... Um, Purchased a new tire prior to the to the the race, um, and Baker as well was complaining of uh, a front tire. He said it became quite obvious after two laps that um, he had no chance of winning because of his tire choice. Uh, what were the differences between between those? Well, it's funny actually you say that because um, uh, Brad's mistake was 
cho choosing a new tire. He felt that he should have done like he did last year and gone with an older tire that had some heat cycles into it. Um, he said that, you know, that it'd be kind of already prepared and, and um, a bit lower profile, which he said with some uh, such a hard service surface that, you know, that that it basically he he just wasn't comfortable the whole race and didn't want to throw it down and, and finish off the podium. Yeah, he looked like he was. Uh, I, I thought he had a technical problem because he he just looked really really slow, especially in drive. He just wasn't getting any drive out of the uh, out the corners, and um, uh, you could really see that with Tony Alias uh, and even with Tom Scherrer, the um, uh, French supermoto champion, who gave him a really really hard run for his money for the final spot on the podium. Um, but it, yeah, he just didn't have any. He just didn't have any drive. Couldn't uh, get, out, get out of the corner. Uh, speaking of track prep, what um, uh, Brad Baker said was that because it was a very, it was a very, it, it was a thicker layer of dirt they put down on the surface. Um, but he said what they'd done is put the put the dirt down, packed it down, and then started soaking water from the top. And that means you only get a, um, water basically in the top level. He said what you need to do is do it, lay, build it up layer by layer. So you lay dirt down, water that, lay another uh, layer of dirt down, uh, water that until you get to the height that you want and then you can start packing it down and that means that the water keeps on seeping back up from underneath uh, cools the track cools to, uh, important, importantly cools tyres as well so um, uh, yeah that that I think was was the key also the uh, uh, about the, the, the tyre choice the funny thing was that Mark Marquez chose a, uh, a used tyre because he got beat by Brad Baker last year after Brad Baker had chosen a used tyre. So it was interesting to see that uh, Marquez, uh, that they basically swapped roles. Yeah, and I think that's why Brad's so mad at himself, you know, because <laughs> it's just like, he, you know, and he was talking about it, that he felt that that was the secret to winning last year. And he and then he didn't do that this year. Because Brad last year, uh, prior to the Super Final, bought a tire, a used tire off someone that he was stood next to in the in the pit box. Um, yeah. And he said, he basically said that that was one of the, the reasons why he was able to win. Yeah. And um, also, you know, a little going on a little more on the track prep, um, they actually, um, especially, you know, back home, they have it's they're not building it in a stadium, but they really they soak it and they turn it and then they yeah. pack it and then they turn it. You can soak it or turn it up, soak it some more, pack it down again. And like Brad says, that you 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 have to have that moisture. Yeah, in to, the a, dirt. to a quite a de to quite a depth actually in the in the dirt, so it can seep back up once uh, once the top gets uh, gets a little bit drier and it keeps uh, it keeps tire uh, tires cool. Because I did see some of the uh, some of the tires look pretty torched uh afterwards yeah um so marquez won the race anyone else surprised at tony Elias being so fast steve yeah like there was one of the heats where tony just started cutting back on mark's lead and all of us looked around at each other thinking like jesus where did this come from and you know i think everyone knows how talented tony is we saw from whenever he was racing on the honda 125s in like 2000 and things like that from that point on i think everyone realized that you know this is a, a special talent but it never really quite came to fruition in the top class or in superbikes for him. But like he adapted pretty pretty quickly, he learned very quickly as well. Like he's raced on this in the past, but never with this kind of performance from him as well. So I think Tony was the big surprise for me. Yeah, I have to agree. Also, he said that because he turned up at the at um, 
uh, Rufea for the uh, for the training days, and he was terrible. Yeah, like we we were at Rufea on Thursday as well, and like I arrived just before it started to rain, but like just before it started to rain, Tony looked terribly, looked lost. Yeah, and he, I was also he was um, the weekend before um, in uh, Rancho Canudas training with everybody, and he was just miserable and his suspension wasn't right and he didn't have a guy that could work on the suspension till Tuesday uh, or this Tuesday and um, so he was working a little bit on electronics and, and the clutch and was just like so I when I saw him in Rafe I'm like okay is it better and he's like no <laughs> <laughs> he said he was even struggling to keep up with the um, I think the Catalan Suzuki guys um, yeah. you know, he said he was what, a second slower than them you know on average Yeah. Um, so it really was quite a big turnaround um, that was all to do with setup yeah, yeah. it was yeah it was all to do with setup Tony afterwards uh, uh, Tony Elias explained that he um, basically they'd put too hard of springs in and so the, it was just sort of bouncing around on top instead of actually sort of digging in. Um, they put some softer springs in. Uh, I think they changed the ride height a little bit and um, it worked, it, you know, it worked so much, but it was totally different. He said he tried it, I think, the last couple of laps before it started to rain in Rufea. So he knew, uh, all right, we've we've got something, we've got something. And then when he got, came to the test on, uh, what was it, uh, Friday on, on Friday night, it was uh, um, it was clear to him that that this had been pretty good. Yeah, and then you also had the I think Dave Judah Rice smile whenever he was talking about uh, getting a tire from Michelin at the last minute. <laughs> 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 yeah, yes, exactly. Memories of Estoril. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is exactly what happened in Estoril two thousand six. The, the, the yeah, last time he won, um, he got the only um, time. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, um, and the last, the before this year, it was the last satellite rider to uh, to win a race. That was because um, Tony Elias had one of uh, Danny Pedrosa's cast off Michelin's. That one of the 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 Saturday night specials that Danny Pedrosa didn't want to use, and it worked quite well for Tony. Oh, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, it's funny. Um, he also said he talked to he called Jared Mees and and Zanotti and said, "Hey guys, like you know, he he phoned a friend. <laughs> this is horribly wrong." And and they were able to help give him some tips. And and he said he combined that a little bit with some help here. You know, so a blend between American flat track and and Europe and. And yeah, I mean, um, in the in the U.S., the Josh Hayes nicknamed him Scud Missile, and it's stuck. And I mean, he's just he he never gives up. He's always you know just going after it and super competitive, just just wanting to win. And and I think we all saw that you know come through on on the short track. Yeah, yeah. Tony on his day really is a sight to behold. Um, you know, as we saw in those times in MotoGP, even that year in Moto2 in 2010 when he won that uh, that world title. Um, but it's always seemed to me that it's been a case of just fine-tuning Tony's head. When Tony's in a yeah. happy place, you know, he uh, can be as fast as anyone, but, you know, more often than not, yeah. uh, he hasn't found Like that. a lot of races. Sure, sure. Like like a exactly. lot of races. I mean, in, in the end, the difference between winning and losing is um, uh, is the is the nut between the handlebars, is the uh, is the grey matter between the, in, in the rider's head. That's, that, that's the difference. Yeah, like... It's always said the most important six inches in any track are the ones between your ears. And yeah. with riders like Tony, but especially like every rider at the top level, it is just a mental game. Sure. So Tony was Tony was a bit of a surprise to everyone. Um, was there anyone else that um, that you know stood out uh, other than uh, other than the podium men, Steve? The man that stood out was Ferran Cardus, just being as disappointing as he was. 
I think uh, you know we all went over because he looks like a flat tracker. He's got the right yeah. style. He's got the speed. But I think like Brad was talking about from the outset that like he doesn't have the consistency yet. Mm. And in any of the longer races, he just fell right off the pace. Yeah, we saw him basically falling apart in um, some of the open class finals. He would be sitting thirds and then just got really wild towards the end um, and was not able to hold position. And you saw him sink two or three places um, as the kind of laps wore on. Um, yeah, he seemed a bit, bit out of control at times. Yeah, and what's going to be interesting is like obviously... Whenever you you get your level gets raised, whenever you take on the likes of Marquez and Baker in comparison to the Spanish Championship, we saw that as well with Nico Torral's performances. Torral not really did anything too impressive, and Cardus won that championship. But now he has to take on the best of the best, and it was a big challenge. And Andre, he's going to go over to race at uh, Daytona for the first round of the uh, national championship next year. But uh, you know, it's going to be a rude awakening from over there. You know, yeah, but I, I, I kind of, uh, I mean, I, th hopefully he'll be able to come over and stay with Brad before, and and do quite a bit of training, kind of like Brad coming over here a month before. If, if Ferran can come over there and and Ferran can ride with those guys, um, and I mean, Brad also said that um, Ferran told him that he learned more in these last three weeks riding with Brad than he had all year, so he's he's learning quite quickly and and one of the things also that Brad had said before that one of the things he was trying to help him out and and teach Ferran was Ferran when the surface is to his liking is really good but if he's not comfortable with the surface he struggles and so potentially the problems we were seeing last night was the fact that he wasn't comfortable on the surface and and wasn't able to to adapt and and was yeah, I mean it, that that would explain why he was because he was quick during the heat. He was, you know, he was properly quick during the heat. It was only once we got to the finals and the longer races that, yeah. that he struggled. And it's it's worth noting it's easy for us to be quite critical, but it's such a specialized discipline as well yeah. that uh, mm. if, as Andrea says, that it's not quite to your liking, it's like looking at uh, good example is Lorenzo in the wet this year, just when yeah. conditions weren't quite right for him with those Michelin tires, he really struggled, and it can be the same as well in flat track. Andrew, yeah. Andrew was sorry. Um, was there anyone that stood out uh, for you, disappointed you, or impressed you that um, you you maybe weren't expecting? Honestly, I um, I was I was impressed with Ferran. I mean, yeah, it fell apart in the end, but I mean, it's it's like you're all saying. Um, his riding style, he looks like a flat tracker, and and he um, from when I I've been here for a little over for around a month, and um going with them testing and um from then coming back and seeing him and, and um and Rafaea, it was <clears throat> like I noticed a big difference and and he looks more comfortable. He looks he's got the body posture and and um so I, I am interested to see what he'll do in the States besides, you know, the competition. Um which Brad actually said that he thinks he can run with the GNC or the singles guys next year. Um I think um, it's a TT. It's going to be a bigger TT. It's not going to be, you know, because obviously they're going to have twins on it. Um, it's not going to be a short, little, tight TT. Um, but then going to um, a bigger, short track and a and a half mile is going to be with different surfaces every time. is It's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to that. Yeah, because 
it, it, it's down just to be Daytona for him, but Brad's been trying to figure out a way to get him to do nearly the full season, you were saying. Yeah, I think um, even even besides the full season, Brad's basically taking him under his wing and saying, we'll sort out, get a bike for you somehow, sort you out, you just come hang with me. And because and, the first three rounds are all in the southeast and not that far apart. So it's it's it would be easier for him to just come over there and do those first three and then I think also the second uh, the the second race in uh, in Atlanta or in Georgia somewhere yeah. is um uh, also a short track, right? Yeah, um I think it's a, it's a it's not a, it's not like a short track like this. It's a bigger short track cuz obviously it, right, a quarter mile something like that. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I know that um, they actually redefined in the rule book what was considered a short track, nah. because they want to make sure that it's a, it's a decent length for yeah, and not, not not send people around sort of you know fifty uh, sort of uh, uh, fifty yards up and fifty yards back. There used to be actually one oval that was used in NASCAR in Boston that was. I think something like about 300 meters or something oh, like wow. that. <laughs> that's basically, that's just doing donuts though, isn't it? That's basically just turns Around into donuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah exactly. The, I mean, I, I have to um, uh, I have to butt in and say the rider that impressed me a lot was uh, Juan Mir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. He was really, really quick. I mean, he, uh, again, what, what it was clear that it was a race experience uh, because in the um, uh, he, he basically lost out in the finals lost out I think he lost out going through to uh, he lost it going through to the, to the super final just on sort of uh, points and stuff occasionally he was getting duffed up but I mean there was no question about his speed his speed was just outstanding I um forgot to mention also Oliver Brindley oh yeah I mean I think but maybe I don't know that I would not necessarily say impressed me as far as that it was, I've seen him ride before and, and know he's good, but he's definitely is, is, is very impressive. And I've heard some, some talk that he's trying to apply for a license in the U.S. as well. So, do, do you think that would make a big difference to him? I mean, would it would it really give him a chance to uh, to, to to grow as a rider and to and to actually be a, you know turn into a competitor, uh, actually going over to the U.S. and, and racing? Definitely. I mean, it's like um, I had um, in my story about Ryan Wells who won the GNC two championship, you know, they were saying that if you're American and you want to be a Grand Prix racer, it's best you move to Spain. Um, uh, so if you're a European and you want and you have ambitions for, for, for flat track, you need to be, you need to get over to the U S yeah. In fact, you probably best move to, to Flint, Michigan. You may not like the weather, but it's, uh, <laughs> or the water. The water. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, the Flint, Michigan is pumped out something like, 16 grand national championships looking at scotty parker and um brian smith now added to that jay springsteen um and then if you look in the surrounding areas because jared Meese now you I mean he's lived there for a while now because his wife nicole is from from that area um lives 20 30 minutes away from brian smith um ryan wells is from new york and he moved this year to michigan um because his team invited him and said hey just come live with us and he, he trains with brian smith and he got all that talent in in one area and it um yeah it's 
it's you know it's definitely one of flat tracks hot spots yeah I, mean, I can see that there is the should someone be so inclined there is the seeds of a transatlantic championship um uh, growing here yeah um you know there are the top American races. There's enough. Uh, there's enough European races to uh, to actually start making. What to, to start actually creating a um, uh, a new championship um, uh, there, and obviously more and more people are actually racing dirt track. Uh, you know, European road races are racing dirt track also as uh, as practice. There's one thing I have to mention though was Mark Marx's comment uh, about all the people who weren't there because there weren't very many MotoGP riders there. He did mention about um, riders being um, uh, were preferring to be off in the Maldives uh, uh, on the beach instead of uh, in, instead of having the passion for motorcycling. And there is one. Uh, MotoGP rider who is off in the Maldives, uh, which I think is Maverick Vinales. He's been posting pictures from the Maldives from there. So I'm not sure whether Mark Marquez meant him at all, but uh, surely not. I, I think that rider doth protest too much. <laughs> no. I think I think we got to see the the true again, just like what we've always seen in the past from Mark. He's never really been afraid to call people out and exactly. lay a few oh, the, traps so exactly the, the, i mean the best comment was um, uh, when we when he was asked you know i think he was asked by a spanish journalist do you um, uh, why aren't there more motor gp riders and he said well perhaps they're all afraid of being beaten by motor two and motor three riders <laughs> um, he did, did then carry to say because you know it's happened to me a few times during doing dirt track so um uh, yeah but he was definitely he was definitely he's you know, stirring. Um, he had a great big wooden spoon and stirring that one up. Yeah, fantastic. 2017 already. I'm, I'm getting quite sad. Well, yeah, I mean, Brad Baker was basically afterwards because, again, the, this, this is supposed to be a little bit of fun, you know, a nice relaxing way to pass the wind. But they were... That, it, that isn't how motorcycle races races were built. Brad Baker no. was genuinely, genuinely annoyed, yeah. and there was also uh, even after the first one, the first one in 2013 in January, after Mark got beaten, um, he, I mean, he was all smiles for the crowd afterwards. But he was um, off down in a little. Um, up, I heard from someone who saw it that he was off down in a little, uh, a little space on his own, throwing a proper hissy fit about having been beaten in front of uh, in front of his home crowd. He was really genuinely angry about that so but that's you know that's what races are races are the i mean alpha um, mills well yeah races it it seems to me the main motivation for for almost all elite athletes is not the love of winning it's the hatred of of, of losing they cannot bear to lose they would do anything other than uh, other than lose so um yeah it was um it was good fun so i was speaking to uh, to brad baker on uh, wednesday after the the pre-event press conference that they had in Barcelona. Um, and Brad is obviously moving from Harley-Davidson to Indian next year. Indian, as a factory, is making a comeback to American flat track racing. And Brad was talking generally about the state of the sport in the States. And he was saying that, well, going back all the way to maybe the early 90s when the, the sport was broadcast live on uh, ESPN, um, you know, the sport hasn't been as in strong shape since then. Um, there's been a few changes and things like that. So what's kind of been going on, Andrea? You know, actually, I mean, there's some really exciting big changes for for next year. Um, they um, the sport as a whole, with you know things like Super Prestigio and and Rossi and his ranch and and every and kind of rediscovering that how cool flat track is has given them a, a nice shot in the arm, but um, 
they had to do something to to tighten up the championship and and make it a better business, uh, you know, so that everybody um, can can be successful and move up. Because um, basically, up until now, um, I mean, this year, I think you could just say there was two factory riders um, with Harley Davidson, Brad Baker, and and Davis Fisher. Um, next year, there's going to be at least six factory riders. Um, so as for a sport, I mean, that's huge. Um, um, even Brian Smith, um, who won the championship this year on the Kawasaki, um, he uh, just gets paid contingency and, and personal sponsors. is not a factory ride. His team is a very good, tight team uh, run by Ricky Howerton. Um, and, um, even Ricky and, and the crew, um, they, they don't get a salary. The only person that gets paid on that team is the guy driving the, the truck. Um, they, they all are basically up, up until this point have been weekend warriors. Um, and, um, Ricky has a full-time job with, um, his own company, um, which it's a family business and they, um, do exhausts, um, for, um, IndyCar and, and NASCAR. Um, like, so like uh, their company does all the exhausts for Joe Gibbs' team in NASCAR and Toyota. Um, so thankfully, um, Ricky's wife is very tolerant and and supportive of the fact that he's, you know, pretty involved in, in designing a, a, you know, and running a race team and, and awesome flat track bike and 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 has a day job <laughs> um so basically that, that you know kind of gives you an idea of the fact that there people the guys at the top they were making some money because they're proactive and getting personal sponsors um and now um with indian coming in with three rider team um it's going to be two riders um with howerton motorsports brad baker and brian smith and um, Jared Mees, who will be running his own effort with his his crew chief, Kenny Tolbert. Um, so it, it sounds quite exciting because not only are Indian coming back in, but the series has secured some big TV coverage. Yeah. Um, and they were also they were talking about needing to sort of adjust the class system. Um, yes. be, be, before you had sort of Brad Baker at some race weekends riding his Harley Davidson on a big mile or half mile circuit, but then occasionally you would have when they went to uh, the shorter circuits, he would be on a 450 Honda. And it seems that the organizers felt that that didn't quite make sense, that a factory Harley-Davidson rider would occasionally have to ride a Honda at the event. So they're sort of they're reworking that structure, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it, it was the GNC1 class, the premier class, um, the Grand National Championship, and the GNC2 class. Um, and actually both classes, even though the GNC2 was started out being a singles class, they started actually riding with a, for a while called basic twins. They'd ride twins at some tracks and singles in some tracks. And, and then for the Grand National Championship, the GNC1, um, they'd ride twins. And then the singles only of it was, you know, a short track or a TT because the, the size of those tracks, um, it, you know, the uh, twin isn't the best weapon, but, um, like, um, couple last year, 2015, Jared Mees is sponsored by Harley Davidson, Las Vegas, Harley Davidson. And they had the finale in a short, small, short track in Las Vegas. 
And so he won the championship on a Honda at his team's home race. So, um, and it's been that way for a while. I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember when when singles started coming in. But they, you you look in like the the media guide for the Grand National Championship, you see that like, you know, there'd be a Rotax in there, and and you know, or, so it, it, you can't actually say even though Harley Davidson's been the dominant manufacturer in the Grand National Championship for years, um, you can't actually say that they can claim all those grand national championships because it wasn't won on mm. just a Harley. So next year, it's going to be the premier class. It's going to be the, the AFT twins and the um, supporting class AFT singles. Okay. So basically like MotoGP, if you had to make an equivalent, like MotoGP and Moto2. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, another analogy would be, um, let, let's say there was some MotoGP tracks that were really tight and small. That the Saxon ring. Yeah, that mm. Moto2, a Moto2 would maybe be a better weapon. So it'd be like Valentino Rossi, because there's not a Yamaha in Moto2. Sure. Valentino Rossi racing a Yamaha and then, a, you know, a suitor. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah sure. you're comparison would be like when we used to have the 500s yeah. you'd have at Saxon Ring you used to always get like Setter Jibber now and 98 was really quick I think he could have finished on the podium on the twin and um, then you'd have the guys in the V4 just couldn't use their power as much yeah so on some tracks you were able to almost have an advantage from the, the less power but Andrew even just looking at next season as well obviously there's a, a change in the calendars as well now as a result of this with more and more of the miles and the half miles I think there's only two short tracks but an extra couple of TTs if you want to just explain to most of our listeners are European listeners who don't really understand what the TT is um the, the TT I mean it's um well Peoria is the most famous one um and a bucket list item yeah um <laughs> if and, anyone has seen a, a photo of Kenny Roberts back in the 70s manhandling a brute of a big 750 over a, a mad jump completely out of shape i think that was at that track right oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no that was that was kind of the point to say because they've been talking about making the switch to only twins for the premier class for a few years now and at first there was a you know it, with a championship that has so much tradition and, and has done things for one way for a long time it was kind of there was some people like nah, i don't know but the only way that they're going to race Peoria next year is if they make changes to the track so the twins can be on it. I mean, to be honest, um, some people even feel that it's in its current configuration is not even that safe for the singles, you know, with these modern motocross bikes. Uh, I mean, it's the jump itself. They have it's cool on the dirt. They have uh, measurements. So you don't know how many feet, you know, so you can see like how far they're going. And I think Wiles is like 100 feet or they have it marked to 140 yeah. feet, you know, so um, it's... Um, They're in it, the air a long time. Yeah, but it's left and right, you know, there's... Or actually, it's... I think this year they're saying that um, the buff, the Buffalo TT um, course that they're going to build will have a right turn, which will be different. Um, so, um, and by the way, the, with the season opener being at the Daytona TT, there is a purpose-built track just like... Um, the Buffalo Chip TT during Sturgis Rally Weekend. Um, and they're being designed by Chris Carr. Um, Former flat track Yeah, seven-time seven Grand time. National Champion. Um, and 
what they're going to do with the Daytona because it's during bike week going on with there's going to there's Supercross and there's Ricky Carmichael's um, uh, amateur motocross um, uh, event. And then it's going to be the TT. So they're going to build the track underneath the Supercross track there in the trial. And then um, when all the Supercross stuff's done, scrape it off and um, go racing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. Um, one of the things that Michael Locke touched on when we had that conversation was the the interest from factories that weren't just, you know, the kind of American, uh, Harley Davidson and Indian. Um, Brad Baker also touched upon it um, after the race last night on Saturday. Um, he was saying that he foresees quite a lot of uh, competition coming in from different marks. Um, he was mentioning perhaps a British factory uh, making an appearance, maybe even a German factory as well, um, uh, that, that should add a lot of extra interest to the series. Yeah, I think that's the one big positive from the the change where you do get that differentiation in, in classes. And I think one manufacturer that, like Andrew, I'm sure you'd be able to talk a bit about it when Troy Bayless came over last year on the Ducati, North America is one of the biggest markets for Ducati. So it makes sense for them to look to have a presence in the championship. I think it wouldn't be that big of a surprise if we saw KTM look to get involved. I think Triumph are obviously keen as well. That was the British market that he was talking about. But the BMW one was actually a bit of left field for me whenever he was talking about the cafe racer styles and the scrambler styles of bikes and just the BMWs being very popular in the yeah, US. Yeah, I can't see them running the uh, uh, running the Boxer Twins. What they'll run is the 800, which is the which is a a parallel twin. Um, perfect for the engine. I also have to think because to an extent, it seems like the re emergence of Indian, almost the the, the rebuilding of the Indian brand. Um, you know, part of Indian meant they had to go flat track racing almost just to, uh, uh, as part of their history. Um, the fact that Indian are coming in, doing this properly, and actually taking it uh, taking it seriously, um, and actually challenging Harley Davidson, I think this uh, this is something which is going to make a big difference. It makes it much more attractive to other manufacturers as well, because before for a brand to come in and challenge a dominant manufacturer is not very uh, attractive until certain things change. And I think now with Indian coming in, you've got a real two-horse race and other uh, other manufacturers say, well, you know, they, they see an opportunity to actually get a lot more brand recognition, especially in the US. Yeah, and um, I mean, Indian came in swinging. I mean, they, I mean, at first it was just, you were thinking maybe it was just going to be one rider effort or two rider effort, but they came in and, and bought the, the podium from Santa Rosa, basically Brad Baker, Jared Mees, and and Brian Smith, and they also have the two top tuners in the championship, um, Ricky Howerton and and Kenny Tolbert, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out with because Kenny Tolbert's more of a traditional guy, and and Ricky's like built more of the modern tuner. But um, it's not official yet. But usually in in most race paddocks, rumors are generally based true. on something um it's it's forced um harley davidson to step up and they're going to have a three rider factory team as well next year so um who are the riders with harley the factory they, riders? that's that's not been announced i i've heard rumors it's um uh kenny coolbeth um brandon robinson and jake johnson so oh, top riders yeah and um the other thing too is um uh 
there's a possibility, um, maybe not this year, um, of Yamaha coming in. They've built a dirt tracker and they've been testing it and, and doing some R&D. Um, and, and they've got a twin. Uh, I, I can't remember how big that, um, uh, the, what is it? It's the... the uh, um, um, FC07, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah which what a 700cc like or yeah. a 750cc uh, uh, twin. So yeah, there are lots and lots of bi- there are lots and lots of manufacturers with bikes in this segment, uh, which would be perfect for um, uh, uh, perfect for racing. Yeah, because just with the change to the twins, there are 650s up to 999s. So there is a fair bit of variety that you're able to bring to it as well. But just listening to what you're saying there as well, Andrea, it's there is a parallel there to MotoGP as well, where you've a lot of manufacturers in the class same and superbikes so there's an awful lot of spot there for riders now to actually make a living as well once there's factory involvement suddenly there's a lot more money there as well and as opposed to what you were talking about with Towerton earlier on now it seems that there could be a chance for teams and riders to actually make a decent living out of it and it's also a lot more attractive i mean it, it, it's in a way it's much closer to the road bikes which uh which factories are now actually selling uh, the sports bike market has been uh it's becoming more and more specialized sales of sales have dropped and dropped and dropped uh, and now what you're seeing is you're seeing very expensive specialized uh almost sort of you know track by track toys for rich people which uh, which are coming in um uh, the, the the sales are all in the sort of the naked segment there and 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 the you know sort of road bikes proper proper road bikes naked road bikes and that's exactly the the, the target that for for flat track yeah and there's um also talk about the possibility of Honda coming in, um, probably not next year, but maybe the year after that, and talk about them maybe going off their Africa Twin platform. Yeah, well, the, you, you see, the, 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 we could end up with more manufacturers in American flat track, more factory teams in American flat track than we could end up uh, in MotoGP, and we're sort of quite pleased to have six fa- full factory teams in MotoGP next year. So it's clearly... I mean, it's got to be good for the sport, and it's going to be a lot cheaper as well for a uh, to run a factory team in uh, uh, in AMA flat track. Yeah. If you had to hedge your bets now, Andrea, who would you say is the favourite for the 2017 flat track series? That's you know, honestly, there's so many unknown factors with all the changes. I mean, obviously, I think you look at those those top three guys. Um, I mean. Um, Brian Smith and Jared Mees have been duking in and out every season uh, in recent memory. Brad's been had injuries and and some bad luck, and um, so hasn't been a, a much of a, or in the hunt for the championship since he won in 2013. Um, but um, yeah, I'd say you go any of those three guys. Um, but it's going to be who can um adapt. Um, you know, the TTs are going to be really interesting. Um, I mean, they haven't raced, I, I can't, gosh, off the top of my head, I, they haven't been on a T, race a TT with a twin, I think since the eighties or something. I mean, it's been a really long time. Yeah. I mean, Michael Locke talked about Peoria and about, about some of the changes they'll need to make to the track to, to Peoria, like moving the jump much further back to, uh, to, you know, to allow people to sort of land in time and just, you just changing the track to make it a lot safer. But, um, um, also, I wonder. I think it's going to be it's going to be much more, as you say, the 450s, the GNC two bikes will actually be quicker around some of the shorter tracks. But then that that doesn't matter. It's it's about um, it's about the riders. You know, motorcycle racing is still 
the sport which is about the riders, where the riders matter. Um, so that's what you want to see. Um, Ronnie Jones, um, who preceded um, uh, Michael Locke, was really big on making this change to twins. And now he, what he would say, he said, you know, and you look at any sport, you know, the um, the pros ride in the support class, but the gods ride in the premier class. And that's what this kind of does, you know, even like, yeah, okay, Peoria or, or maybe some of the other TDs, the 450s are going to be faster, but there's definitely appreciation of seeing, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, these guys wrestle around the, these beasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Bar to bar yeah, next exactly. to each other. Sure. Yeah, it's like you look at the MotoGP bikes now and the 800s and you compare them to the original 999s and we still remember the 999s for being the most spectacular. We still remember them for being the ones that riders had to tame and we still look back on those bikes with a fond memory. And that's where, as you said, Andre, the, the guys in the top class, they're now just going to have to wrestle with the twins on you know some of the shorter tracks and that's going to be that's going to be exciting to see well that was a fascinating chat on the future of uh, american flat track racing um and it pretty much brings us to an end of our of our discussion about the super vestigial 2016 um i'd like to thank all three of you for joining me thank you very much steve thanks neil you're off to the to the bahamas for a few days no i'm off to barbados for barbados, christmas okay. to see my sister okay. lucky man lucky man indeed andrea it's been a pleasure thank you very much for joining us yeah thank you for having me you're uh, staying in the states for Christmas time, New Year, yeah, all that. Yeah, I head home. I start making my way west um, this evening and uh, head home tomorrow. Okay, right, excellent, nice one. Well, I hope we can maybe join up again for a future show, maybe in 2017. And Mr. David Emmett, thank you very much. You're heading back to Holland uh, a few days in Barcelona, then. Yes, uh, another day or so in Barcelona, and then back to um, uh, uh, back to Holland and to actually spend time at home, which is. Um, <laughs> You know, you get to appreciate home when to, when when you follow our itinerant lifestyle. It's all very glamorous until you've been stuck in an airport for about five hours longer than you intended to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so this is, I think, the penultimate show of uh, of 2016. There should be a season review uh, of MotoGP, which will be coming out uh, some days after uh, after this. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, just a quick reminder that if you're not already following on, us on Facebook, uh, you can do so at facebook.com forward slash Panic Pass Podcast. If you're not following us on Twitter, I would strongly advise you to do that. That's at Panic Pass Pod. Also, if you're not following any of, uh, of us present, uh, you should do that too. David, you are? At Moto Matters. Andrea? Um, at A. Wilson Photo. Okay, and Steve? At Steve English GP. Okay, and I'm at Neil Morrison 87, so you should get following there. And also, if you're listening to this show via iTunes, we would love it if you could leave us a review because that helps new listeners find our show. So thanks very much for joining us. We hope to see you soon. Bye! So thank you very much for enjoying it. Ugh, fuck's sake. <laughs> so close. So close. Yeah. Do well, do well. Yeah. You thank did well just to be able to say Paddock Pass Podcast. Sure. <laughs> 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 say that three times. <laughs>